Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said to his disciples, Be sure of this. If the master of the house had known the hour when the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be prepared, for at an hour you do not expect the Son of Man will come. Then Peter said, Lord, is this parable meant for us or for everyone? And the Lord replied, Who then is the faithful and prudent steward whom the master will put in charge of his servants? to distribute the food allowance at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom whom his master on arrival finds doing so. Truly I say to you, he will put him in charge of all his property. But if that servant says to himself, My master is delayed in coming, and begins to beat the men servants and the maid servants, to eat and drink and get drunk, then that servant's master will come on an unexpected day and at an unknown hour, and will punish the servant severely, and assign him a place with the unfaithful. That servant, who knew his master's will but did not make preparations nor act in accord with his will, shall be beaten severely. And the servant who was ignorant of his master's will but acted in a way deserving of a severe beating shall be beaten only lightly. Much will be required of the person entrusted with much, and still more will be demanded of the person entrusted with more. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus you got to love the Gospels that, you know, there's a lot of beatings going on and we end it by praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So I think I'm still, I'm still new at this chaplain thing. I forgot, I got the, I brought the wrong color stole, so the bishop has let me borrow his stole tonight. I just feel like, like I don't know, I, still, I mean, well, just, I'm, I'm grateful for you. I am grateful for you. I will. I, please, please, Lord, one of these days. I'll bring the red color one of these days. I brought a purple stole this time. That was good. All right. All right. So uh, let's dive into these readings. As, as much as I, I want to talk about the gospel, I really want to talk about the first reading because there's some extraordinary stuff going on here. Romans is a, it's a theological masterpiece. Uh, Paul's letter to the Romans. It's, it's rife with so many deep, complex themes. It's Paul at his best. And it's also, because of that, it's a theological minefield. They're really, you can, you can be led astray. You can, it can lead into a lot of confusion. So what I want to do is I want to just kind of hone in on a few particular lines, a few particular verses that I think will be really powerful for us to reflect on tonight, not only in the light of our, our speaker and our topics, but just, just for our own lives, right? So all right, here's, here's the lines that I want, to, I want to look at. For sin is not to have any power over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. But thanks be to God that although you were once slaves of sin, you have become obedient from the heart. You've become obedient from the heart. Sin is not to have any power over you. That's the first thing I want to look at. See, for St. Paul, sin is not just simply like the personal sins that I commit. That's part of it, absolutely. Uh, but before it's the personal sins, the sins of omission, the sins of commission, before all of that, sin, properly speaking, for Paul and his worldview at the time, and for us, biblically speaking, right, sin is this power, it's this dominion, it's this force, it's this, 
this reality that is pressing itself against us, right? It's this reality that's pressing itself against us, hemming us in, insinuating itself in everything that we are experiencing, right? In every aspect of our life. See, the analogy that Paul uses, based on the language that he uses to describe this reality, the analogy is that of like a tyrannical government, a tyrannical government that is forcing itself, insinuating itself into every aspect of a person's life, right? It's hard to pinpoint a particular area, a particular place. It's just everywhere. It's the, the noxious gas, the, the, the environment, the atmosphere in which you live. So sin for Paul, right? Paul is saying that sin with a capital S, that reality, is not to have power over you. Why? Because of Jesus Christ, Because Jesus Christ has transferred us, he says in his letter to the Colossians, Jesus Christ, by his death and resurrection, by the battle, the war he waged against sin, capital S, and death and hell and Satan, because Jesus Christ has waged war upon those realities, he has transferred us from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of our God and Father, the kingdom of light. Right? Because Jesus has literally taken us out of this, this environment, like you are no longer under the authority of that reality. It no longer needs to press itself upon you. Right? He has given us, Jesus has given us, as Paul says, new citizenship. Right? Our citizenship is that of heaven. And another place in Paul's letters, he says that we are ambassadors for Christ. Right? Think about what an ambassador is. Right? Think about an ambassador is like, it's a foreign, like, we're like, it's right? Ambassadors. Here we go. All right. So, the, like, an ambassador is a, like a foreign national who resides in a different territory. And when he's in that other territory, he's not subject to the laws of that territory. He's subject to his own country's laws. Right? So, that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, like, sin only has power over you if you let it. Like, if you, if you consent to it. Like, remember that is what he's saying. You do not have to sin. I do not have to sin. Well, that sounds wild, but it's true. We don't have to do it. Paul's saying, remember that because once you were slaves to sin, once you were under this dominion, but you have been free. You have been set free. You have been set free. He's trying to get us to realize. He's saying, don't forget that. Then he adds this, and this is great. You have become obedient from the heart. Obedient from the heart. See, one of the major theological differences between Catholicism and our Protestant brothers and sisters is that we as Catholics believe that Christ really can and really does transform our hearts from the inside out. That, you know, contrary to what Martin Luther wrote and thought, that we're not just these snow-covered dung heaps. That was the language and imagery he used, right? Snow-covered dung heaps. That we are, to our core, broken, compromised beyond repair and what jesus does is he just com- he just covers us with his merits and righteousness so we're not left we're not actually transformed we're just cloaked in righteousness covered in righteousness that is not what we believe that's not what the scriptures reveal that's not what the church has believed from the beginning that our hearts we believe are actually capable of being transformed so much so that like the ethic the law that once guided us becomes the the ethos, the interior ethos that now animates us. The ethic that once guided us becomes the ethos that animates us. Here's what I mean by that. This is what St. Paul means by that. Like in a word, real conversion is possible 
real conversion is possible. So much so that like the good that I do, it's not merely because I'm following a rule, right? The good that I do is not merely because I'm, I'm following an external constraint. Like my freedom is being guided by a law. Like, like the good that I do is not merely because of that, but because of because I've been touched so deeply by Christ's grace, his mercy, his healing, his presence, all of those realities, like our hearts can actually be transformed that I'm no longer just white-knuckling it anymore. Right? I'm not like trying really hard to not gossip. I'm, not, I'm no longer trying really hard to not lust. I'm no longer trying really hard to not you know, say that unkind thing. But because of how deeply Christ has touched me, how deeply I've let his love and mercy in, like, penetrate those depths, what happens is our hearts actually change to the point where we like, begin to freely and genuinely and effortlessly and spontaneously choose the good. That's the, that's the thing that happens. I want to end with this. This is a great quote from um, a, a, a very important paragraph from, from St. John Paul II's encyclical on moral theology, Veritatis Splendor. I know you guys were probably reading it this morning in your holy hours. So um, I'll just remind you. So it's Veritatis Splendor. John Paul II is answering a lot of these moral theologian critics at the time. And he was, he was putting down this heresy and this heresy and that heresy and saying, no, this is the truth. This is the truth. And there's a number of people who were, who were really critical of him and critical of the church for saying, like, listen, JP2, all right, like, we love that you do the World Youth Days, we love that you do all these things, but, like, you've got to get real with, like, what real men and women are dealing with, what they're really capable of, right? Like, you can't honestly expect people to be able to, uh, like, rise to this level. You can't honestly expect people to change that fundamentally, right? You've got to be pastoral, is what they're saying. Like, you can't really expect that people can change. Is that realistic? Here's what John Paul II says in Veritatis Splendor. He asks, what are the concrete possibilities of man? And of which man are we speaking? Of man dominated by lust or man redeemed by Christ? See what he's saying there? Like, are we talking about man who is still under the dominion of sin? Under the dominion, the lordship, this power of sin? Are we talking about like the person who's been set free by Jesus, redeemed by Christ, now living as a child of God in the kingdom of our Father? Like, which man are we talking about? That's what he asks. This is what is at stake, the reality of Christ's redemption. Christ has redeemed us, he says. This means he has given us the possibility of realizing the entire truth of our being. Listen to that again. That's huge. This means he has given us the possibility of realizing the entire truth of our being. He has set our freedom free from the domination of concupiscence. Remember, concupiscence, again, is that that bent inclination in our souls away from the good, away from the true, away from the beautiful, that we are bent like like misaligned tires. We just kind of want to tend to go in that direction. He set us free from the domination of concupiscence. And if redeemed man still sins, this is not due to an imperfection of Christ's redemptive act, but to man's will to not avail himself of the grace which flows from that act. We don't have to sin. That's what JP2 is saying. 
God's command is, of course, proportioned to man's capabilities, but to the capabilities of the man to whom the Holy Spirit has been given. I hear it all the time. I mean, you probably hear it all the time. Maybe you've said it often. Like, I'm only human. I'm only human. I'm only human. No, you ain't. No, you ain't. Like, you aren't just only human. We are creatures who have been redeemed by Christ, adopted into God's family, flooded with grace. We feast on life itself, beauty itself, mercy itself. You ain't just only human. You have in you the power that, like, broke the prison bars of death. You aren't just only human. You aren't just only human. You're something more. And that's incredible. So by the power of this Eucharist, again, inspired by this word, let us just like avail ourselves of the redemption of Christ, right? Maybe we're struggling with a lot of stuff right now. That's okay. Jesus comes to redeem us. He is the redeemer. He never grows tired or weary of redeeming us. But let us open our hearts again at the deepest of level that interiorly we can actually be changed. We can actually be changed. We can actually be changed. Amen.